Greetings live music fans, this is Chris. This is Colleen. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Live Fix Radio Podcast. We have a special show for you guys today. We're um, glad to say we did survive uh, Lollapalooza 2011. We came out alive. Yeah. I'm still picking dirt out of some places though that I didn't know dirt could go. Mud. It was very, very muddy over there this year. Wet and muddy. It? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a you know a couple weeks since Lollapalooza, and be, to be quite honest, you know there's some things that I saw there and music that I heard, performances that I experienced, and I know that you did as well, Colleen. That uh, we will never forget. I mean, was would you say that your life was changed at Lollapalooza? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if Lollapalooza changed my life. Um, in any way this year, uh-huh. 2011. Um, really? I've ha- wow. It has changed my life in the past. Uh-huh. I don't know if I can say it about this this festival this t- this year. Wow. We'll have to get. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. You know, but um, you know, we're going to get into Lollapalooza. We got uh, some you know gate crashing uh, stories to share with you guys. Uh, our thoughts on uh, M and M's. You know, return to Chicago uh, after Cold you know, War kids. Cold War Once kids, again, we saw uh, them. Have come back. And uh, CeeLo, you know, uh, kind of disappointed in that, but we'll get into that later. Uh, you know, see, uh, what else? Uh, who else? Um, Lissy and uh, Atmosphere, one of my favorite bands, uh, hip-hop guys from uh, Minneapolis, the indie, indie hip-hop uh, champions. So, but now we're, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time now on one uh, concert news you know, story that um, you've probably heard about this uh, by now. Uh, if you haven't, uh, we're going to talk about the Sugarland uh, concert in uh, the Indiana State Fair uh, with the stage collapse. And as of this this recording, you know, there's been uh, six concert fans uh, that have died and uh, about 45 or more that were, have been injured when yeah, the stage collapsed. Yeah, very tragic experience for uh, the on, you know, the people who saw what happened and then the people that actually were in there are very um, tragic. And if you get a chance, um, check out the video on Live Fix. Uh, once you see that, it's kind of puts everything in perspective. It is, yeah. I, you know, I, we were talking about this before we, you know, as we were preparing for the show. It's, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, that happened last week, right? You know, I'm like, yeah, it's, it seems like it's been a lot longer because it's been in the news. I've seen the video at least twenty times, and when I first saw it. You know, I, I was thinking about some things that, you know, have you know, been related to other concert experiences that I've had, uh, other stories that fans have uh, shared with us, you know, over the years here, you know, about tragic events, uh, you know, at concerts. You know, obviously concerts are a place where you go to escape, you go to be entertained, but more times than not, history shows that, you know, there's uh, tri- some pretty, really traumatic, tragic things happen at concerts, uh, actually more often than we think. You know, and and when something like this happens, you know, I thought that we take a little bit extra time here, focus just on one of uh, this concert news story, because it's really, uh, it, it's you know, it's beyond interesting and it's beyond you know, it's very sad, and it, it has a lot of emotional um, you know undercurrents you know with with that. And w- and one in particular thing that we're going to take a look at is the impact of trauma. You know, people that live through it, people that experience it. You know, whether you watch the video on YouTube. You know, there's different types of trauma that we'll we'll, we'll get into that. And um, again, if you're listening to the show for the first time, I kind of want to give you guys a little bit of a um, you know 
kind of a brief introduction, just so when we get talking about this stuff, you kind of know where we're coming from. Uh, I've, you know, I've written about live music. I interviewed uh, concert fans and artists for the last ten years, and uh, you know, Colleen would have yeah, t- tell, tell everybody a little bit about about what you do. So. I'm Colleen, and I am a uh, licensed therapist, and have been doing that work for a long time, and worked with all kinds of individuals um, with all kinds of issues, um, alcohol, drug issues. Uh, trauma issues, um, you know, transition issues, all kinds of things. Um, you know, going through different life, you know, different life transitions. Um, so, when you experience something like this, it, it does definitely change the way that you see life. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons I just want to give that little bit of a, you know, introduction there, just so you know, when we get to talking about this stuff, you, you guys kind of know where we're coming from and you know our background, so that. Uh, you know, this stuff is helpful for you and, you know, kind of gets you thinking. And, you know, if you have any questions about any of this kind of stuff, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say, you know, about this. You can go to livefixblog.com and you can post your responses and questions in the comments on this post, you know, as we uh, repost the, uh, the show notes and everything, uh, all the links and everything. So let's go ahead and get into this. Um, Colleen, you, you, you've done a little bit of, little bit of research and kind of pulled some things together, and you know, besides from what you know, uh, from what you've seen, you know, throughout you know your professional experience, and then also some of the concert experiences that you've seen, um, what 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 did you think about this, uh, you know, Sugarland whole situation, you know, and what? Well, I saw the video just like everyone else um, on, you know, it was floating around the internet, and then I saw it um, obviously in the nightly news. And, you know, I was, it's very traumatic um, because you do see people um, actually being crushed, I mean, in the video. And yeah, so that was, yeah. was hard to, to see and watch. And then not only that, but, you know, seeing the spectators just feel like they're helpless. You know, you see people running. Um, they were trying to take cover because of the storm. And I think they were also, you know, seeing the, you know, the stage collapse on people. And so um, you kind of, you know, you, the video shows you so much. There's so much going on. And, um, you know, with trauma, there's all, all kinds of different trauma. But to break it down simply, you know, some people experience trauma as a one-time event. And for most, hopefully for most, in their life, this is going to be that one, tra- you know, traumatic event. Or they may have a few in their life, but it's not going to be a compounded experience. So they're not going to... What gonna- is the actual definition of... Uh, you know of trauma like what can we kind of paint a little picture of you know of that from like define you know traumas as far as what what that is just so we all kind of know you know what um what that is because i think that's important you know as we try to figure out what you know what trauma is because you can you know there's psychological trauma there's physical trauma obviously you break a bone pull a muscle uh you know you get shot you know, uh, you know, uh, all these types of things. So, um, what what did you find on, you know, you know, actual definition of trauma? Well, again, you know, when you're f- when you're feeling trauma, uh, first of all, you're going to have you know uh, lots of symptoms when you first in, uh, you know initially feel it, and and it, your body is going to be you know you're going to be stressed out, and it's there's you're going to feel this you know. Um, feeling of like flight or you know fight you got to do something you know right away you're gonna your blood's gonna be pumping and and things are gonna go on and so you're gonna have some sweating you're gonna be breathing um you know heavy uh 
some people laugh. You know, when they're super anxious. That's kind of interesting. They're super anxious because of trauma. Yeah. That's their reaction, so they'll laugh. Um, yeah, you don't I, see that too yeah. often. I don't think, like, at, um, if, you know, funerals and things like that, obviously. But it, it, in traumatic experiences, there may have been some of that in the audience because that was their initial, you know, anxious reaction. Yeah, kind of like, oh, my God. Like, no, obviously you know, crying. You chuckle, you know, at things like this. Yeah, know? obviously crying, and you see that on the video. Um Kind of feeling warm, um, goosebumps, you know, that kind of stuff, stomach pain, and, and those sort of things happen initially when you start feeling that. And I think that's probably what most of the audience felt and probably Sugarland the band, mm-hmm. um, to start out with. They probably started feeling that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as the week kind of unfolded, you kind of got a little bit more idea of what the whole situation was, you know, was going on. You know, the band Sugarland was... Um, was due to go on stage. Uh, Sarah Borealis, you know, she opened uh, for for the band. She played, and in between Sarah Borealis and Sugarland, that's when the stage, the uh, sixty mile an hour mile an hour winds or eighty mile an hour winds, whipped up, and you know they they the officials, uh, you know, the concert did not get everybody out of there. Apparently, a, a, a little bit further away, the same storm kind of. Uh, was um, developing, and they cleared out an amphitheater, uh-huh. and but they did not respond in the same way for this. So there's, this is obviously a very serious situation. There's a huge investigation going on right now. It's possibly looking, you know, according to some reports that we've read, you know, this is getting to a federal level possibly where the regulations might be, you know, um, you know regulated by the, uh, you know, by the government to have mm-hmm. these stages, these rigs. Know, investigated and you know and uh, um, you know, approved. Because not only did this stage collapse, but there was another situation in that that also uh, were at a live music concert where a stage collapse. Yeah, this is kind of this is it, you know it's one of those things where you know is this just and this is what I've been thinking about too. You know, as obviously it's a very traumatic event and things are going to be you know reported like this. But I always wonder, is it just that? things are happening like this that people are reporting on them have stages collapsed like this for you know throughout history and maybe it just they're just not being reported now because there was an, another story uh, a music festival in uh, in Europe uh, alternative music festival uh, rock and pop I think I'm getting that getting that correct let me uh, let me check that actually uh, Polk and pop uh, in um, uh, in Belgium, uh, one of the big alternative music festivals there, uh, a tent collapsed and killed five people. Uh, mm-hmm. This is within days of what happened at Sugarland. So yet again, another one. And then before the Sugarland event uh, in July, you know, we reported on Live Fix about um, the uh, Blues Festival, the Ottawa Blues Festival, uh, before Cheap Trick was, pl- was was due to go on stage. Winds whipped up and, the fa- you, you know, again, this, the, you see these videos, stage collapses, you know, and then uh, a rig fell and stage collapse when Flaming Lips were scheduled to go on in Oklahoma. So this is all happening. It's it's been a pretty crazy summer for these for these types of things. So it's you know it's brought on a huge investigation. So it's um, you know it's it's something. Well, it's a scary thought. You know, if you're a yeah, fan yeah, and I you want to you want to experience something fun, you want to you know you you a lot of these tickets aren't cheap. You go to this concert and and there's fear of you know um, maybe not the whole stage falling on you, but fear of being hurt. In a concert, 
So it can be very traumatic. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and we were, you know, we were at, you know, Lollapalooza recently, and we've been to other festivals where, you know, we see fans coming in and coming out of uh, the medical tent, you know, and being treated for physical um, ailments, you know, or injuries and things like that, and seeing all these things and, and knowing what goes on in our minds, you know, psychologically, emotionally, whether you're experiencing it firsthand or you're watching it, you know, there's different levels of, you know, of trauma as, I've, and at as I understand, you know, and, and there's just not, there, there's the medical side there that's there to help people, you know. But, yeah, and at Lollapalooza, uh, when we were watching Cold War Kids, we were actually right near the, one of the medic tents, right. and we saw a lot of people that went in for injuries, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's amazing how there's so much medical attention and help for in you know physical injuries but when you talk about the mental aspect of you know things that are going on at a show or you know um you know people could be you know having drama with friends and that triggers something it triggers some depression or they're struggling with something there's uh, alcohol and drug use at these shows um and i've seen it i've seen it going to shows and i'm sure we can interview 10 you know other people that were Lollapalooza that there were some mental health issues or people that were struggling yeah during yeah. that show and um, I know I had an opportunity to talk to uh, a few people who were under the influence um, and they were not doing well you know they were not doing well we had there's a few people that were crying and and all kinds of stuff so I, I really think that they need to to come up with that and think about that. Yeah, you know, there's, uh, you know, all this, you know, talking about all these different things, you know, happens with, um, you know, these these traumatic things happening at shows. Uh, it reminds me of what happened last year with the swell season. Uh, the duo uh, who's, you know, they're featured in um, the movie Once. And uh, last year the swell season was playing a show in San Francisco and it was an, in a kind of an open venue where fans could watch from uh Stands and, and, and you can actually see it from tops of buildings and things like that. I'm not quite sure how it's set up, but in any case, uh, one fan climbed up uh, from the back of the rig. We could watch it from like a top of a building or something like that, and he actually jumped off this ledge and committed suicide and landed right on the stage and died right there in front of all the fans, right in the middle of the show. And after that happened, you know, there were these fans that... Um, Obviously, you know, had a terrible, you know, traumatic experience. And what was striking to me is that a couple of days after the show, the band, you know, obviously put a statement on their website, and then they awful, you know, and I don't, I've never seen really seen this before. I've seen it a couple of times, but the band actually offered free counseling sessions. They partnered with a group called Cara, or uh, Cara, which is a, a grief support. Um, counseling uh, organization in San Francisco and, and, and offered free grief counseling sessions to all the fans uh, there, you know, that experience. Which that. is probably very helpful for you know? those fans. Just, you just don't and, see that a lot mm-hmm. at shows, you know, but people are having that, you know. It's, shows can be a very powerful um, experience either way, you know. Mm-hmm. It can be very powerful in a positive way and inspiring i mean how many artists do we hear that we interview that say this artist um, inspired me and i when i went to their live show i mean it you hear that through almost everyone's um stories musician stories they went to another live show and they inspired them and after that day it changed their life 
And I mean, how many people say that they saw Michael Jackson and it changed their life, you know, right. life? And and so then, but the opposite can happen. You can go to a show like Sugarland or go to, um, you know, shows where there's fighting and and things happen. Um, you know, look at Altima, right? Um, oh yeah. You know where yeah, that? Stone, right? yeah. You know where that? You know the Rolling Stones and um, you know that how that fight broke out and you know some people were. V- are going to be very traumatized by that stuff, and that's going to affect the rest of their lives. Yeah, and we were we were researching the show, and we were watching the clips from uh, um, you know Dimebag Daryl from Pantera, the guitarist. And man, what what a scene that was! You know, where that uh, he was um, shot point blank by a fan who came up on stage and shot him right in the chest, and then proceeded to hold somebody hostage and then shoot into the crowd. You know, I mean. I can't imagine what it's like for that, and um, you know, and, and what. And he fans... held a fan hostage. Yeah, he held I a mean, fan hostage. If you watch the video you know? and, yeah. and on YouTube, um, it explains the whole experience. So, I mean, yeah, this stuff is can be very traumatic, and it's unfortunate. I think it's anywhere you go, there could possibly be an accident. Right. You know, you could go to the gym, and there could be an accident. You know, I mean, the, the ass is probably more of a possibility when you're at something like Lollapalooza because there's more people. Right. And I think the yeah. thing that's really deceiving about the whole process is that, and this is linked to, you know, when we go to a show, and I, you know, when I talk with concert fans, it's always interesting. I always get different responses, you know, to this question about, you know, when you go to a show, you know, how long do you think that particular show impacts your life? You know, uh, you may not think about it. You know, the, the time you might think about it might last for like 10 days and then at the, on the 11th day, you know, your mind kind of goes on to something else and you don't think about it. But we all know at, at a deep emotional level that our experiences, you know, continue to drive us. And I think when we go from, when we experience something that's that traumatic, you know, uh, back in 2005, you know, I had a, a strange medical condition where I actually passed out and uh, nearly died at a Wilco show. You know, I had a, a non-diabetic hypoglycemic episode where my sugar level in my body went so low that I passed out. And uh, thank God that I had a friend there with me. If I didn't, I, pr- I probably would would have died. You know, and I've forgotten about that. You know, that that moment. But that thing that I, you know, that situation that I experienced continues to impact me. You know, in, in the shows, you know, in different in different ways. How so? Are you, you know? are you afraid that you're that's going to happen again? Well, I always uh, well, that's the thing. For maybe about a month, two months or so, you know, I was really kind of, you know, I was kind of taking notes of like where I was emotionally, you know, and trying to be like, you know, I I know I always made sure I had, you know, I ate like because I I needed to eat more protein was what it was, you know, and my body metabolized so fast that you know my um my body was shut down and i passed out and and you know so i was like make sure that it, make sure you, you, know, you drink enough water you're eating enough you know and of course i had to convince the people there that you know I, I wasn't on drugs they kept asking me if i was drinking or taking drugs and i wasn't you know and i opened my eyes i couldn't see anything i lost my vision for you know about 30 minutes, you know, and I, my arms were so heavy like fire hoses and that time, that's still, it still impacted me. You know, it's still, um, I think in certain situations where it's really hot at a venue, you know, in, in, in it's closed quarters. I, I'm not, I don't have agoraphobia, fear of, you know, 
social places or whatever, you know, crowds or whatever. But um, I definitely I get tr- I get triggers of that moment when I'm in tight quarters or you know I I'm definitely not a fan of mosh pits anymore. You know necessarily because it was hot in that venue. I was sweating, and they actually oversold that venue at Autos in uh, DeKalb. So we were packed in there like sardines, and when I'm in those situations, yeah, I get triggered. So that's that's the whole thing. I mean, it's, you know, we experience these things, and we tend to think as concert fans that we, you know, we move on on a conscious level, but I think, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit more, Colleen, about how these things tend to continue to drive us, you know, under the surface. You know, with with that, especially with grief, because everybody thinks that grief is like one time you you know you go to a funeral, you die, you know you deal with that on that day. Nobody else wants to talk about it, but it's it's going to be pretty interesting to you know to watch these fans who experience this thing at Sugarland. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that experience continue well, to tra- shape their life? When you know? a traumatic experience happens, um, you tend to uh, become hyper vigilant, so you take on what is there hypervigilant yeah i mean you you notice everything that's going on at that moment because your senses are heightened your your mind is heightened again it's a fight or flight reaction so you remember everything that goes on but also those things that you remembered can also be triggers or cues whatever you want you know whatever word you you want you prefer to use but when you are at a venue so let's say sugarland the experience of sugarland you know, maybe if you're outside at a concert again and it's windy, you may feel, you may remember that day that you were at the Sugarland concert and that tragedy happened. You know, or maybe. Do you think you might be having those feel, you know, those thoughts and triggers and may not know like what that's coming from? Probably two different ways, right? You might get those experiences might flash in your mind, but you know, you might do that and you might be freaking out and you might not know why. But down deep, it's. It could Something be. Something from it, that experience, It's right? possible. Most people, um, they, you know, they know what that's from. And they okay. can, like for you, you know when you're in those close quarters, you're start, get, starting to get hot in there, and you're in the middle and smashed between a bunch of people, and it's starting to get crowded, you're going to start feeling some probably anxiety and start thinking of that experience. All right. So someone might listen to, you know, kind of on the flip side of that, uh, I mean, do you think it's like, you know, somebody – who experienced that uh, might have a hard time listening to the Sugarland. You know, fan goes to that show. They love the Sugarland album. Now, after this show, they might not want to listen to Sugarland because it takes them to a place where they don't want to experience that. Or do you think it's maybe on the other side where they find comfort in that music because of the association with that? It that, could that go. It could go either know? way. The other the other piece about um, you know having a traumatic event occur. And you witnessing it, or being, you know, the, or the traumatic event being you, um, everyone reacts different to it. And, mm-hmm. and scientists are not clear as to, to why that is. They're still doing a lot of research on it. But I could experience something and it not bother me. There's probably people in that Sugarland audience, they left there, they weren't changed. They just went about, they didn't their, change just their, went life. about their lives and. Correct. They, they didn't change their life. They don't have any mm-hmm. daily thoughts of it. They moved on. And then there's people that went to the Sugarland concert, and it will forever change them, hmm. and it will forever affect their life. So, and they don't know why that researchers don't know why that happens, 
Um, but they do believe that there's something to do with the brain, and, and everyone has sort of their wire, the brain is wired differently. So they may, you know, they're thinking that possibly, um, you know, someone may be their brain just is more susceptible to um, absorbing trauma than another brain. They're they're like, different on uh, you know, a fundamental cognitive level as far as how their brain is yes. developed. Yeah, know, I mean, or how it was created or what they've experienced so far in their life. You know, right, and and you know again, um, there's a lo- you know there's a lot of hmm. research in trauma right now because we have a lot of uh, vets um, coming back from Afghanistan and from the war, and um, they're coming back and they have a lot of trauma and PTSD. Hmm. So there's a lot of research right now in that, and so they're finding out more, and hopefully one day they'll kind of know how we can guard ourselves, maybe from tra- traumatic events. So there's maybe some things we can do when we're starting to experience that. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's another topic for, uh, you know, another show, you know, to kind of get into that, you know, and the, the similarities, you know, between, between that. But, um, you know, the reason we want to talk about this is, you know, I, you know, obviously it's, you know, it's a concert situation and, you know, it's an emotional thing. And I think it's uh, kind of, you know, it's, it's important to, you know, look at this and go, oh, you know, how are those concert fans, obviously those 45 ones that were injured, and then that next level, people that were there at the show, and then that next level, the people that are watching it on YouTube, and then, you know, it's just this, it's, you know, you kind of relive it, you know, and you process it or you don't process it, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's, you know, there's, you know, I was thought about the survivor, uh, survival uh, guilt, that gets associated with that, I got, I, I can't, I can't imagine people not having that on some level, you know, with uh, what they experience. Because what was interesting about this, there's two, vi- there's two main videos that got published, uh, you know, and, and kind of went went viral really quickly. One where the stage was falling down, and then the other one where the fans, boom, the, the stage falls, and the fans rush to help to actually pick up, try the and stage. push the stage up. And you can see people trapped underneath this thing, and it's you just you see people, you know, like instantaneously, instinctually, like respond to like to the situation, and you just see them try and you know try and do that. Um, and there were a lot of nurses and doctors at this concert um, because I did do some Google searches, and there were some. There was actually a doctor um, from a hospital in Chicagoland that went and talked about what he saw and you know how he responded to he went he jumped right in and tried to save and help people hmm. yeah you know so it's uh you know that's that's what we're you know that's that's all we're going to talk about you know for that for right now but uh we're going to continue to follow the story you know it's uh it's getting bigger and uh, you know there's some other stories that are developing on here you know right now i know that uh sugarland you know they obviously postponed their show the day after that in iowa and they held a separate um, private memorial for the fans that were killed. And I, b- I believe you told me earlier, Kyle, that they um, uh, record, uh, did a tribute, they did, a tribute song of some sort or something. You, you were telling me they did. They did um, a couple. They did a couple things on. St- they didn't actually mention um, anything. They on stage. Uh, it was th- about three shows after, and Utah, uh, there was a Utah concert just recently, and it was three shows um, after the tragedy, and um, they didn't say much on stage, and um, but they did do a couple tribute songs. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, our, our hearts, our, our thoughts and prayers, you know, obviously go out to the fans uh, that, you know, that died and the families that are dealing with this. Uh, and, you know, if you're listening to this and you were there or you know somebody who's there, you know, we, we would love to have you on the show and, uh, you know, to share your story, you know, with us and your perspective and how you're doing. And I hope everybody that's experienced this thing and was a part of it, I hope you're doing okay and you're, you know, you're taking care of yourself and, you know, getting the help and everything that you need. Um, but we're going to continue to cover this story and stories like this, um, just obviously because it's, you know, it's impacting concert fans. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and we're going to take a short break. We're going to play some, some music for you guys. And we'll come back and we're going to talk Lollapalooza, right, Colleen? Yep, Lollapalooza. So 2011. All <laughs> right. We'll come back in just a minute. Hang on, guys. Thanks. Thank you. I am sure that by now all of you are well aware of the tragedy that occurred at the Indiana State Fair on Saturday. Moments before we were about to take the stage, a huge gust of wind blew in and collapsed the entire stage, wounding over 40 people and killing five. In honor of those people who were wounded and those beautiful lives that were lost, we ask you to stand and join us now in a moment of silence. Is it having so little 
chance to belong Is it standing right here singing this song I say it's love Thank you. So we know, Albuquerque, that you guys came to see a show. Obviously, um, you know, in, in the loss of our set and our instruments and our equipment, this incredible machine looks very different right now. But we are going to try our best to put on our professional faces and come out here for you and celebrate a moment with you of the joy and the healing power of music. The show will begin in a few minutes. Thank you. Hello and welcome back. Uh, we're going to get into uh, our experience at Lollapalooza 2011. You ready, you ready for this one, Colleen? I'm ready for this. You, you ready to, to relive Lollapalooza? I don't know if I want to relive Lollapalooza. You don't? I don't know. Oh, I There's only had... a few, there was a few good bands. I thought you had fun. Under. 130 bands, and you say there were a few? Wow. There were a few good bands and a few good kind of fun um, attractions, shall we say. Attractions. Throughout the weekend. All right. I, I, I think we should get into that then, because I'm, I'm, I'm a little shocked. 130 bands that were handpicked by Perry Farrell, and you only liked a few. Which means just three. Very interesting. Anyways, I probably liked about ten or so of them. But Lollapalooza is huge. It's 115 acres. It takes place, you know, in downtown Chicago and Grant Park. And usually Grant Park is a really beautiful place, but not after Lollapalooza. Uh, it was pretty much torn to hell and it looked like a bomb it? <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy man. in my understanding it was... it's going to cost chicago a lot of money they're saying upwards the 80 grand okay so, something along those lines so maybe some fertilizer yeah for the mud and some, a couple a little sod here a little extra plant you know something like that but the taxes the the, the chicago taxpayers are not going to fit the bill for this one Perry That's good Farrell to know. is going to himself. C and C three presents. They are okay. the they are the ones you know that uh, are, are fitting the bill. Apparently, this was written into the contract that if such an event happened, that this is this is who is going to pick up the bill for it. So, 
Chicago taxpayers, don't worry about it. Well, that is awesome because Chicago taxpayers seem to be paying too much taxes lately. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I and I, you know what the other thing is? is you want to get into that right now? No, no. I mean, I know this is like another podcast. When you start uh, yeah, talking I feel. About I feel like we're getting to another topic here. Like people want to hear Chicago about the music. politics. People want to hear about the music. But but I have to say though. It's awesome that Chicago has this every year because it does bring in a lot of um, income to the city. Oh yeah, there's a lot of money. You know, they, I'm glad you brought that up because there were a lot of conversations that I were ha- that I was having with with people. Uh, I think it was those two those two girls that we met outside the cabanas. They were talking about how they were in uh, the cabs driving around, and the cabbies are just going crazy. You know, they're like, "I love Chicago." I love it, you know, and it's great, the the vibe and all the kind of stuff, and obviously they're making money and all the kind of stuff, but she was like, it wasn't about the money. They just love being a part of the the festivities, being able to drive concert fans around the city of Chicago, you know, making some extra money. But I will have to say that Perry Farrell was ripped off this year. He was ripped off? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, there was reports of... Hundreds oh, of gate crashers. Yeah, you're talking about gate crashers. And That's all right. kinds of people trying to sneak in. And, A record number, and actually. Fake, I think there were some fake wristbands. You think so? Because my experience, well, this is how my Lollapalooza experience started out. Why don't you tell us um, how, that, how that worked? Well, never, never order tickets that are not going to be in your name. Because let me explain that a little bit. We, we should give them a little backstory on on how we okay. how we how we okay. covered Lao Pollution. Sure, I, sure, I think that would make sense, and then you, then they would you, understand. You definitely have to tell okay. your story because sure. I was covering the story for uh, one of our publications that we also cover for for Blog Critics, and um, I had a media pass from uh, the Lao Pollution Press, and my pass was for all three days. I could write about it, but I couldn't take pictures, which is a whole other podcast we'll talk about later but i had a pass and we only got approved for one pass this year um so i all had myself and colleen only wanted to go on saturday and sunday so i bought two tickets online uh saturday pass and a sunday pass both individual bought them online and under his name under, under my under name his credit card well yeah we share it right yeah you know so that's uh that was the kind of the backstory, and then we got up to, you know, I had the ticket for Saturday. I brought it in there, and I guess this might have been my confusion on how this was supposed to work, but it really wasn't laid out that well to me. I don't know. But we went up to the box office and showed them what we had, and they actually gave us two extra, two different tickets. They took our paper printout and... Someone else's tickets, And, and they gave us, they actually swapped us. We didn't realize. I think we were caught up in the excitement of Lollapalooza and didn't didn't look at the tickets, which I didn't think we had to. I thought she was just giving us the, the correct tickets. But she actually gave us somebody else's ticket that was already swiped. So, so I put it in my pocket. You take it from here. So I put them in my pocket at that point. Right? We I went over to, to the Hard Rock Cafe, or not cafe, Hard Rock Hotel, mm-hmm. and we kind of met some media people, and we both got 
passes to get into there, mm-hmm. um, which we do. It's like an annual thing. We get to see. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it's yeah. good. There's some good companies there. We get to start working with companies. Yeah. Um, we get we get to work with Blue Microphones, which we love. So we yeah. get to meet them good, and good, talk to good them. Good to there. see uh, uh, Hillary. Hillary. Uh, Hillary again. The spokesperson. Uh, she's like the spokesperson. Yeah, she's been. Marketing. Yeah, she's 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 great. Or she's been helping us uh, with the, with the podcast. Microphone. So we get to see those people. We yeah. love it. So we went there first, came back. I tried to get into the festival and. They stop me and say, these tickets aren't working. And then they send me to this n- another area where there was a lot of fraud going on. And there was people <laughs> trying to wear other people's bracelets and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I asked the guy, I said, hey, this is, my ticket isn't working. I know I bought it. And he gave me you know, the 20-question runaround. And then he said, did you buy the ticket? I said, no, my, my husband bought the ticket. Yeah, and-, and keep in mind, too, we should, we should also tell them that you know, our plan was that as I have a media wristband on and I can't go through the front gate. I have, there's a separate right. entrance for the media. So right. our plan was the King's entrance. Yes. <laughs> I guess you could say the that. Kings and it's Queen. Really, the, Queen's being a part of the media is really nothing special. Okay. Anybody. I mean, well, the Kings and Queen entrance, I didn't have privy to that this <laughs> Kings year. And Queen entrance. So why are you saying that right now? That's so funny. the guard. So I went through a different part of the, of the okay. festival. That's great. I was, That's great to know. I want to make sure that they know that I was not with you at this time. Okay. You're by yourself. So I'm by myself. <laughs> he asked me 20 questions. You know, I answered them the best of my ability. He said he was kind of rude to you, right? And he was rude. He kind of treated you like and a criminal. And he took the ticket. Yeah. And he refu- after I said my husband bought it, he refused to give it back to me. <laughs> and so then at that point, I said, well, I'm not walking away from you because you have my ticket. <laughs> and he got irritated with that. And I called you and you were, on, you were able to come back. And um, when Chris got there, he just showed him his credit card where he, that he bought the ticket from. And, you know, of course, he gives, you know, prints it out and gives, you know, the, the new ticket to Chris. So, you know. Yeah, but you should get- also know that it wasn't that you, you, you just made it sound really easy. For me, because it really wasn't, because I came to him and I said on the media, and I had to show the guy because I had my bag with me, my camera, and all this kind of stuff. I was walking in there and like, oh, you can't take this in here. I said, well, on the media, oh, the media is supposed to go down this entrance. I said, well, my wife is over there. She has a ticket that you guys saying is not working. So I had to convince him, and they had to have another person walk me over to you, and blah 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 blah. So the moral of the story is. What? There was some fraud going on there, and I think we got, you know, yeah, kind yeah, of caught in the middle of it. Yeah, the there were definitely some so. uh, duplicate tickets that could, that were getting printed up, and and a lot of people were, you, got you know, in the middle of the that. the wristbands are great, but a lot of people can take them off and then give them to their friend. Yeah, and I think that that causes some problems if right. they didn't initially buy it. So we, I saw some of that, and and then there was the gate crashers. Oh yeah, the gate. There was crashers. a lot of gate crashers. I the, did not the, the, personally see any gate crashers. But if you look on YouTube, there's yeah, a whole you, bunch of videos. If you if, if you, you Google, search under uh, "Gate Crashers 2011 Laopalooza," you're gonna come and and especially look up uh, "Police Brutality at Laopalooza 2011." There's a lot going on besides music. A lot music. of videos. A lot going on besides music. You want to get the full picture of Laopalooza besides just the concerts? What's going on on stage? Again, go to uh, go to YouTube and search "Gate Crashers 2011 Lollapalooza or Police Brutality," and you're going to pull up a lot of interesting uh, videos. And I can tell you from firsthand, uh, I was there. You know, I was, while I was interviewing an artist backstage at the uh, press area, it was right up against 
the kind of one of the first breaches. It, it I've been explaining it to people as if it were pe- the Pentagon, because the you know if, imagine Lollapalooza, the stage area, as the center of the Pentagon, and all the different areas that you have to breach in order to get to the center of the Pentagon. That's what Lollapalooza is like. There's like one area of security with fences, and then there's another area. So you have to breach like two gate crash one area. You, you go through kind of um, that. There's old train tracks that used to run along um, the. Uh, well, actually, they're still there, but they the metro runs there, and that kind of serves as one area. So I was up against that final breached area, interviewing somebody, and there the fence was right behind the artist that I was talking to and as I'm interviewing I see a swarm of people it must have been like 30 or 40 people going back and forth as if it if it it felt like a scene out of uh, Jurassic Park when the when the uh, velociraptors are like testing the fences to see where the weak points are and then they boom they they crash the fence so I'm as I'm interviewing this artist over the back of over her shoulder I'm seeing, you know, a swarm of fans going back and forth and then, you know, running over the fence and then running just to the right of us, you know, as this is happening. And apparently this is the, this is the biggest year that they've had problems with gate crashers, uh, gate crashers, you know, as you can see in the news, you know, with the London riots and other things that are going on, um, there's, there's a huge, um, you know, usage of social media, specifically Twitter, that gate crashers are using to, you know, swarm, pick out certain weak points in the the structures, uh, the, the security areas around the festival, and flash mob the heck out of the area. And if you look at these videos, you get a good idea of what what we're talking about. Um, and we actually, on our way in there, we had a chance to talk with one of the uh, gate crashers. Uh, he wasn't successful though, right? What I remember, he he uh, drove a, a flew flew from Oklahoma without a ticket. Did not have a ticket. Amazing, amazing. He had a T-shirt. He was standing on the corner of Washington and uh, uh, Michigan Avenue, and he had a shirt that said "I need a ticket." You know, white T-shirt and black big black letters that said "I need a ticket." So I'm like, oh, we got we got to stop and talk to this guy. So I asked him a couple questions. And uh, he said, I came to Lollapalooza, flew from Oklahoma, and I don't have a ticket. And he had actually studied Lollapalooza, and he had attempted to break in the previous day by figuring out where the vendors were coming in and watched the, uh, I believe it was a pizza vendor. He saw that they were handing out T-shirts, so he jumped the fence, grabbed the T-shirt off of the truck, put it on, and then proceeded to grab a pizza and act, of it, act as if he was walking in as one of the vendors carrying in pizza to the, to the concert venue. And, you know, as the gate crashers are getting smarter, well, you know, concert evolution, I guess, like psychological uh, evolution, the security. You mean concert security. Concert security. Have gotten a little smarter. I've gotten smarter. Yes, you know. Well, that makes sense because Lollapalooza has been around for a while, so that makes sense. But 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 we're we're looking at the gate crashers seem to always be one step ahead of security. There there seems to be you know a uh, 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 you know one the 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 chromosomes are are 
advancing faster for concert fans than they are for <laughs> for security. I don't know why that is, but I'm seeing that. I don't know if it's a step ahead or just the home court advantage slash um, mass mob <laughs> advantage. You know, um, I this think flash mob the stuff flash is mob like has created a whole new thing it's, because it's, not only do you have one or two or three people try to crash, but you have hundreds. 100 people trying to crash. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our uh, exploration uh, experimentation on the gate crashers. It was a uh, fun time seeing those guys uh, crash the stage. Now, uh, now it's time to talk about the music. We have uh, a list of bands. I know at the uh, start of the show here and towards the middle there, you know we, you know Colleen. There were a few good bands. Right. You confessed mm-hmm. that you, you know, out of 130 bands, you liked. Would you say three? Three or four. Three or four? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there was other good, good bands that were there. I just didn't see them. I mean, there's just so much music going on that um, you just can't get everywhere. Right. Which kind of contradicts, and you know, I've always had a theory about this. A lot of times how they sell out Palooza is that it's like a dollar a band, which I think is ridiculous because nobody sees all bands. Nobody sees all the bands. I don't know why they say it like, oh, you're getting a great deal, 130 bands for $200. $215 you know, I don't, or I don't really agree with that concept because yeah. it's like a bag of chips. Do you pay for each chip in the bag? No, you pay for the experience of eating the bag of chips. And you also, uh, a bag of chips, if I remember correctly, is uh, you, you, uh, it's by weight, not by volume, right? Because you open a bag, most bags of chips, the top is always half empty. Sure. And it, all the chips are at the bottom usually crushed, but... This in no way is related to our last music experience. I'm just saying. I, mean, I digress. I don't like that whole thing where you pay a dollar a band because you're not going to see every band. Right. So you're going to get ripped off at some point. Right. It's a slick way of saying, you know, promoters say that, you know, and it's kind of, I've always thought it's kind of ridiculous. I laugh when they say that. But anyways, 
they got a job to do. They got a job to sell the music and, and get everybody hyped up and everything. And I had no shortage of hype. You know, we saw, um, I think I saw and listened to probably 15 or 20 bands or so. Uh, uh, you're you know, slacking. Out of all, you're slacking I've, in I've, your, I've gotten older. your older age here. I've gotten older. I, um, I've definitely felt a, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, an increase in, I don't know if it's Lollapalooza arthritis or, or what, but, uh, you know, I, I actually switched shoes, um, different days. I, my other shoes kind of like wore out and I was feeling a little, you know, uh, weakness in the knees and stuff like that. I've, I don't know, weird, weird year this year, you know, but what I did this year, you know, I, I, I was, you know, explaining this to Colleen, you know, you've asked me a bunch of times, like, how, how are you going to write about this stuff? You know, how do you go about it? And, and to be honest, I really struggled with that this year, you know. How many times can you write about a music festival, you know, in, like, the usual way, regular concert review? So I'm always looking for creative ways to try and express what the heck goes on inside my brain when going to such a, you know, overload of stimuli like Lollapalooza. So I decided to look at Lollapalooza since the original definition of Lollapalooza is a strange or unusual experience, event, or person that that occurs within a given time period. So this year I decided to write a very personal open letter to Lollapalooza as a person. So I'm not going to get into all that kind of stuff, but I will basically tell you that it was... uh, it was awesome. I, I enjoyed writing about Lollapalooza as a, to a person. You know? Overall, uh, can you sum up your experience this year in one word? Uh, no, I, I can't. No, no. It actually took me 2,000 words. The, the review that I wrote was 2,000 words. I will say... How can you ask me my a, a, one sum word, it up in one word? My one word That's cruel. is soggy. Soggy. Oh, mud people. There you go. Mud it, people. That's a hyphen, if that's okay. It's one word. Mud people. Because when Lollapalooza started to lag, like the intensity of the shows, I was glad that it started to downpour because it just transformed the whole Grand Park Festival, the, the grounds, into this like strange and, you know, creature mud people filled, you know. Kind of like something world. wicked this way comes. Something wicked this way comes. The book. Yeah. Ray Bradbury. You're throwing down Ray Bradbury references. This is... Well, I'm just saying... You guys are getting a treat here, everybody. As as soon as it started raining, it did become kind of like a different place. Yeah, it transformed everything. Like, I don't know what the combination of of rain, uh, you know, uh, dirt, and live music is. people kind of felt like kids again. It was. It was very... It was kind of like like cuddle jumping and... And sort of like grab your partner and, and make sure your girlfriend's, you know, um, out of the rain. Right. And has an umbrella. Or maybe there's no umbrella, but you have a sweatshirt you let her borrow. Yeah. I know you don't like so getting there was wet. Some of that. You don't like getting wet. I know we, we've, we've talked about that before. I was in pretty good hands. I was concerned I was a, about you. I was in um, shelter for most of the time. Yeah. So we did find kind of a nice little... Hang out and the Dell Lounge. The Dell Lounge, yes. And we got to sit there. I was there quite for the big... impressed. I was quite impressed. 
you know, I will give a, a quick shout out here to Hollywood Holt. He's a DJ in there, and uh, he yeah, he, check him out. He, he was good. He turned it out pretty good. good. I have to I have to say he had me up uh, shaking, you know, my booty a little bit, you know, in, in the middle of the rain, and people were trying. They had these little Dell, these little lounges um, throughout the festival, and we just happened to go into Dell Lounge, check it out, and boom, it started downpouring, and we were just in the right place at the right time, and you know. Thankful that we were able to hang out and enjoy some beats uh, with that. So, yeah, thank you for the rain. I think it was uh, actually a, a refreshing type of uh, experience there. So, um, so yeah, wrote about Lollapalooza as a person. Really interesting. If if you're a music writer and you know and you're like sick and tired of the same old, same old with writing a music review, I would highly suggest looking at concerts as people. Like as a person, and write it from that way. I think it was a, it was a really refreshing kind of rejuvenating. You know, I, I sound like a, a soap commercial or something like that. I don't know, but but anyways, people needed soap. Yeah, I love people, so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm I'm drawing from that. But mm-hmm. I just have to say, writing a concert review. And you can see this on Lollapalooza. What? I mean. <laughs> Sorry. I love losing. You can see this article that you wrote yeah. on livefixblog.com. Live okay. Absolutely. It's there for the taking. So it's it's, uh, it's What an... was your favorite who was your favorite artist? Uh definitely Atmosphere. Why? Why? Because uh Slug da- Slug uh aka Sean Daly. Uh he's the MC. He, he he's he's a he's a great MC. He knows how to blend um the humor with, you know, like he's unashamed of who he is, and he's just, he is who he is, you know? So would you and say like he was better it. than CeeLo, who came on... Oh, yeah. Right after him? I don't know what... Uh, Before him. Uh, CeeLo played on... Damn, it's all blended together, man. I don't know. I think it was afterwards. It was right, they were right back to back. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit. Uh, CeeLo played later. Okay. Yeah, because it went uh, Big Audio Dynamite... Local natives, CeeLo, I really enjoyed CeeLo this year. You did? I liked liked his popular song. He was so scattered. It and was he ridiculous. Didn't, he didn't sound good, but I don't know what it was. It was just a, kind of a feel-good moment when um, his famous song, with, well, it's playing all the time now. It's on Yeah, it, it's, um, known as, it's known as Forget You or the dirty version, you know, F You. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for those of, uh, this, this is a PG podcast, so we can't. We try to make a PG. <laughs> we try very hard, you know. With, we don't have too many that. restrictions, but we try. Right, we try to keep it clean. But CeeLo, it was disappointing, man. I mean, I saw, we saw him back uh, with Naros Barkley. When they came and played Lollapalooza in 2006, and he was just a lot better with Danger Mouse, you know. And CeeLo is known for coming on stage in these outrageous, very theatrical type of costumes. And he came on again, and he came in in this, like, football player. There's a picture of it in, in the review that I wrote of him on the – he's got the shades. It kind of looks like Lady Gaga's outfits. I think he borrowed something from her last year. They just made a new one for CeeLo. Just made it a little bit that, bigger. That, that's what I think. Way bigger. Yeah. He's got like 200 pounds on her probably and a whole lot more tattoos. But, um, yeah, he was all over the place, you know. I, I think if he was on his own show, The Voice, like I would have voted him off. I, I would have said no. I'm not, you know. For, for a guy who's judging talent, I think he just uh, 
he he came up way underneath the bar of what I think the Lollapalooza fans deserved, you know, and he seemed like he was kind of toying with people, and then he eventually gave people the song, the Forget You, you know, the F.U. song, which I love. I, I, I could listen to that song forever. It's, it's, I think it's one of the best songs in, in the last, you know, two, three years, you know, that uh, pop songs that, that, that's come out. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he stunk it up, man. He was all over the place playing, like, he would jump from one song to the other, rock music. He had a DJ, and they were, like, bad, bad, bad CeeLo. I don't know. But, um... A gr- another really great artist that was there that we've seen before... Who, who else do we see here? Yeah. Is Lizzie. Yeah, yeah, Lizzie. Liz- yeah, Lizzie. Hometown. Lizzie. Hometown, She's uh, from... Yeah, she's you know, from, uh, She went out to Illinois, LA a bit, and, you know? uh, and, uh, she just... I mean, I would... I'd go see her, uh... Yeah, she over plays. Over uh, she plays guitar. She plays a mix of like uh, blues, rock. She covers stuff. You know, she is. She's fantastic at. Covering. Last year, she covered a Lady Gaga's "Poker Face." Yeah, yeah. And this year, she she got me. You know, this is uh, if you haven't been a Lollapalooza or, or whatever, you know that you have to pace yourself. And a lot of a lot of shows. Uh, a lot of sets you go and sit down underneath the trees at the Google Plus stage was, I think, where we hung out the most because that's kind of where the bands were that we wanted to see and, uh, you know, where we discovered a lot of bands and I was sitting relaxing and um, chilling out and um, she uh, played a great set and then she started to cover Kid Cudi's Pursuit of Happiness and I was like, wow, it was it was awesome. She actually did a better job covering that song than he did later on Sunday night, playing, you know, his own music. So, Lissy, she plays guitar. She's got a, a two, a guitarist and a drummer, and also a bass uh, player who plays the drums at the same time. Hmm. Really, r- really great band. You know, we saw her at Perez Hilton uh, party. You know, and um, if you haven't checked her out, uh, she's got a her latest album. It's called uh, Check Chasing Chasing Her- a Tiger Chasing a Tiger Chasing yeah. a Tiger. Yeah, yeah, good. Good stuff, man. She's got a lot of emotion, really, really emotive on stage, and you know, good, 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 good stuff, man. If you haven't heard her, go go check her out. Uh, we'll have links to her her tunes and everything, you know, in the uh, in the show notes for that. It's so, actually catching a tiger. Catching a tiger. Thank you. Thank God for the internet, you know. But um, yeah. So uh, so yeah. CeeLo, uh, Lissy, uh, Atmosphere. And can I just say one quick thing about Atmosphere? Um, those guys rock. They're they're they're, they're awesome. They're from Minneapolis. They're uh, a duo. Uh, they've kind of expanded their band, but they're known as uh, Slug. Uh, Sean Daly's the MC, and Anthony Davis, he's the uh, DJ who's done the beats and everything. And Davis has recently joined um, Atmosphere touring the last two years. He never went out. He just did the producing and everything. And they they just kill it live. Like Sean uh, Daly, he's got a uh, got a wicked sense of humor and he's really funny and uh he is who he is on stage and he just had everybody there's this one image there's a song called should have known and there's a uh, an image is actually the, the song that we opened the show with is is atmosphere if you're wondering who that was i don't know if we mentioned that but uh there was a part in the show i was up on the bank of uh, uh of uh, grand park and just had a chance to really see that see them you know, open it up so it was it was good and you know un- unfortunately 
What was the worst artist that you well, saw this year? The worst artist? The worst. You gotta what? do the best. Why the worst. are you asking all me? Uh, why are you asking me all the questions? You saw more bands than you. you had a more, I think, positive, optimistic stance on Lollapalooza. I, I tried. I tried because I had a, a little bit of a problem, and you know, uh, live fix listeners, you know, this is this one's for you. This is confession. No, it's a call for help. Oh, call for help. Okay. I had, I experienced some distress at Lollapalooza. You know, I've never I've never lost anything in, at a concert before, and I lost something at at Lollapalooza. And Your mind. <laughs> something else. <laughs> I always lose my mind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I lost something, and it's still you can kind of hear it in my voice. You know, I'm still you know dealing with the uh, separation. I guess it's separation anxiety, you know, from from that. But what happened on Friday night? I um, I lost my uh, blue microphone, uh, Mikey, and my iPod Nano. And the reason that that's a huge loss for me is that I actually used those two devices uh, to record artist interviews and fan interviews during the day. And I've used those for m- many shows to record, you know. Different shows. Well, let's, look, let's look on the positive side. Yeah? Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with the lost Paris tapes. You're talking about... you making a Jim Morrison reference? Well, I'm just saying. The, the Jim Morrison had these lost Paris tapes that were floating around. They were yeah. supposedly his last recorded session. Okay? <laughs> what I'm, what I'm trying to say... Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm Hold not on. trying to Are compare... Are trying to compare me to Jim Morrison? No, no, no. I'm not well, trying to okay. compare you. I won't you. stop you right there. I would not if... try to compare you Thank to Jim Morrison. Thank you, but wow. But what I'm trying to say is that someday... I love those Paris, lost Paris Someday... Tapes. Those are pretty funny. Those interviews may be like a hot commodity. Someday. <laughs> yeah. You know, they may be... You know, you may see them on the internet one day of, a, oh, this is an interview with... So and so, and if we hear your voice, I mean, we know it's you. Yeah, so they but there's, make a, come there's up. a there's a prerequisite for that though. It means that I have to become famous of something and like world worldly important to the rest of the world, right? You Possibly, know? I don't know. These days, you don't have to do too much to be famous. And I'm past 27. I mean, I'm past the 27 club, so I don't know if okay the well, chances of that happening well know? i'm just i'm trying to look at the positive i appreciate maybe that. someday they never will, thought of that. they will come out and and we'll be excited and happy and wow we'll, yeah. we'll have found the lost interviews i'm gonna call them the lost lala interviews i would love the fact you know actually and, you know what sounds better the lost grant park interviews yeah the last chance that i saw them i was reviewing my my, you know, my interviews for the day, I was enjoying uh, Bright Eyes set, awesome, awesome guys from uh, Nebraska, I believe. So if anyone has the, has his Mikey and iPod, or I, I, iPod touch, I, not iPod, iPod just an iPod. Not Nano. So if you nano. have them, just send us the links, or I lost just send it. us I, the I, MP3s. I, you I can will. keep the other stuff, send us the MP3s. That's what I say. No, send me the Mikey. Well, my Mikey. I record a lot of interviews with that thing, and it's got emotional value to it, man. If you can't tell me I'm, by my voice, I'm serious with this. Okay, well, I, hey. The last, I'll tell you this. Send me the MP3s. I won't tell him. We really just kind of would like to have the interviews. And if you're from Apple and you're listening to this, uh, 
we, we'd love to have you if send you're Steve it. Jobs. Yeah, Steve Jobs, if you're listening yourself, to this. If you're listening to this, hey, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt Steve to send Steve Jobs has to be a live music fan, right? Possibly. I mean, come on. Dude's got to love live music. All I'm saying is if you got the, the, the MP3 player, send me the MP3s anonymously. I'm not going to send the FBI after you. Just send them to me. I'll, I'll give them to Chris, and we'll call a deal. Yeah, it'll be like Jim DeRogatis, how he got those uh, anonymous sex tapes from R. Kelly. They just oh, appeared yeah. right at his door. Yeah. He didn't know who they were, what they were. You know, Maybe that's not a great comparison, but you know, in any case, the last time that I saw them, I was enjoying Bright Eyes by the Bud Light stage, uh, right by the, the perimeter fence by the VIP lounge. If you found something, it's a, it's a, it's a felt bag. It had a nano in it, and it had a blue microphone. A uh, little and attachment, little square microphone. Who did you interview on there? Uh, Kate Diaz. Uh-huh. Um, one of my uh, 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 individual from uh, insurance, concert insurance place, uh, rep- uh, representative. Um, they insure the Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. And uh, the band uh, Kids These Days from Chicago. Um, fantastic interviews. Uh, I-, I wish that I had those recordings uh, again you know in that phrase you know or in that uh, format and my plan was to play them here on the show with you guys so you know we'll definitely reach out to kate diaz and and, the, and those guys again and and we'll, we'll share them here but there's just something about recording it right there in Palooza on, on the grounds and they had a certain energy to them so it kills me but in any case if you guys see i love that you know send them in to so like, that was the worst part of your experience uh yeah, I would have to say. So I know. think we covered everything. I mean, we talked about the worst, the best. No, no not not quite. Marshall Mathers. Ah, yeah. We can't, can't end we can't this show him. without talking about Marshall can't Mathers. Can't forget him. You know, and um, I don't know if you want, before we get into that, you want to talk real quick about Cold World Kids? Sure. You, you love them. Sure. That, I mean, one of my that's your, favorite, that's your band. I mean, one of my you favorite them. bands. I've seen them three times now. About three Three times. Three, yeah. maybe four times. Yeah. Three yeah. times. Three, three, four, And um, I just love them. I don't know what it is. I think it's their leer. They're just really gritty, and, and I feel them. They're real. They're, they're talking about, you know, real stuff and things they're struggling with, And but they make them sound great. I don't know. They make them sound like pop songs almost. I mean, I wouldn't consider them a pop band, but, you know, they're just really they good. They refer to they're themselves catchy. as uh, soul punk. Okay. Soul punk. They're, they're catchy. I like them. Yeah. Um, so we got to see them. That was right after the rain. And so it was like, it was just perfect. It was a perfect time. And we didn't get too close. No. Because there's puddles and mud and I, you know. Yeah, again, the Google like, Plus stage turned into like Lake Google, Lake Google Plus. Yeah. You needed, a, you needed a boat in order to get around to get the around. stage. And basically. so I just got to hear them. I heard a couple good songs and, you know, it was totally worth the wait because we waited a little bit for them to clean off the stage from the water. Now, there was a little funny moment before Cold War Kids. Can, can you tell everybody oh, about that? Oh, yeah. Because that I, was one of the funniest moments of Lollapalooza. Of Lollapalooza. Okay, this there's, is the there's, funniest there's, moment. There's big funny moments, and these are. it was kind of like a funny micro moment. Okay. Like, it was, you kind of had to be there, but, but tell everybody. Well, um, when they first came on the stage, they said, Welcome, everyone. This is Foo Fighters. Yeah. And the girl that was directly in front of me started walking towards them, and she goes... To her friend, what? This is Foo Fighters? I hate Foo Fighters. 
And she walked. She started walking away. Yeah, she walked away. Um, she walked she away was, to she, another stage. She, she believed was, that those were the Foo Fighters. She so. was pissed, you know. And uh, Nathan Willett, I believe, is the lead singer. Uh-huh. It was it was hilarious because he, you know, you'd kind of waited about forty five minutes for these guys to go on. They were squeegeeing the stage, water off the stage, and finally they go on. And they said. You guys are awesome. You're waiting for us. You're the. You are our fans. And I think we may you know? need to try to take time in a podcast to interview a fan that goes to Lollapalooza but doesn't know any of the bands, yeah. except for maybe. You think Marshall that's possible? Mathers. I think it's very possible. I mean, Foo Fighters is like a band you think. I Man, I don't want to be a music snob. You but think you she, would she think you known know that what that they was, look that like? Was not I mean, well, if you listen to music them, right? regularly in the '90s. I mean, she looked my age, so I'm guessing that she was around during that time. A lot of assumptions, I understand, but um, but yeah, just it's amazing how people sometimes will just go to the festivals just to be I don't know around a bunch of people and just say you to went be there. Yeah. So I would, it would be Not very even interesting care about to, the music either. It'd be very you know? interesting to um, interview someone that has that mindset. That'd be awesome, definitely. Okay, now it's time to talk about Marshall Mathers. He. You know, With a real some shady, please stand up. I wish he did. But he did not. No, he did not. Eminem came. 90,000 people, probably more than that, considering the gate crashers, were there. I mean, we were packed in there like just, I don't know, sardines? Can I, can I say that? I, I don't know. But they, it, was, it was massive. It was in there. We were kind of close to the front of the stage there, I guess, to, to the left, and... Um, what, what what did you think, Kyle, about about Marshall Mathers and you know Eminem's? Well, I did Eminem like show. his choice in songs because, of course, mm-hmm. he played a little bit of all of his you know popular fun songs, so I enjoyed that. But I, he he just I just felt like he wasn't on par. Yeah, he didn't look to me. He didn't look. Health, healthy. I mean, he looked. He yeah, lost a that. lot you of weight. He, he looked unhealthy to you. He or, looked like he know, lost a lot of weight. Skinny, you know, I mean, from when I've seen him. You know, but he, he looked to, strong. I mean, he looked healthy. Maybe he's, he, he just, has lost some weight. Yeah, you know? I mean, he just it didn't. It, it just he didn't have the the energy on stage that I would think he would. Yeah, and I think he relied a lot on. I mean, it, it was. Don't get me wrong. It was fun to see. You know, Bruno Mars came out for uh, Lighters, and uh, Skylar Gray uh, came out. Um, you know, he has the, the new project uh, that he's doing, uh, Bad Meets Evil. And, you know, they're, they're both, you know, on that. And obviously, um, uh, Love to Lie, I think, is uh, Love the Way You Lie, you know, is... is With Rihanna. You know, is on there. Rihanna. And, you know, and they've had, uh, you know, different, um, different people sing that song. But he relied a lot on people... You know, it was like it was like a bad rap album with too many featured people and not enough of... The actual artist himself. It was like he, there was he, a he, disconnect. He didn't I felt seem, like there was a disconnect from his own words. He a seemed uncomfortable, you know. And and again, again, I applaud him for what he's doing, and I totally support, you know, his sobriety and doing what he's doing. Uh, you know, not on drugs, and you know, being able, you know, he he said something to Anderson Cooper in an interview on 60 Minutes uh, back in March, and ever since I saw that interview. I was really looking forward to the show and seeing what he was like during the show because during that interview with Anderson Cooper, he told him that you know, he told Anderson Cooper that um, 
uh, he no longer sees his fans as one big blur. And he said that while he was on drugs and you know taking the pain medication and the alcohol and all that kind of stuff, he would do that to cope with the anxieties of playing live. You know, and all the uh, you know all the anxieties that go along with that situation. And because of that. When he would perform, the fans would just be a blur, you know, and he wouldn't be able to see them. And it, I thought it was really profound for him to say something like that and say now, you know, he doesn't have the drugs, he doesn't have the alcohol. He, he, he's learned to kind of somewhat be comfortable in his skin because he seemed pretty nervous, you know, or just not, you know, not comfortable, you know, on stage. But I was expecting him to get a little bit more personal. We've seen some pretty awesome shows on that stage at Lollapalooza. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've seen some Lady Gaga herself. The bar is pretty high. We saw Kanye West. I mean, Chicago's his hometown, so he put on, like, an amazing show. One of the most personal, real, vulnerable shows that Mm -hmm. I've probably ever seen before, you know? And it's unfortunate because a lot of people went to Lollapalooza to see Eminem. And I, I, I don't know, I mean... It'd be interesting to hear other people's opinions, but I think there was a lot of people that were kind of let down by his performance. I mean, it seemed like uh, Girl Talk had kind of programmed his set, meaning that, uh, you know, uh, Eminem played all the hooks and snippets from his best songs, you know, Without Me and, you know, all the other, you know, hits and, you know, Two Trailer Park Girls going around the outside, all that jazz, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, I loved that. I thought it was fun. He ended with 8 Mile, you know, and had a cool background you know, um, video video thing playing, and, and it was really cool. But Eminem is known for being a live master of freestyle battle rapping. That's how he came up. That's how he got his start in hip hop. And I expected him to be a little bit more t- towards that. Why do you, you think know? he? I mean, wouldn't you rap about something about Chicago? I mean, if you're freestyle, you're from Detroit, which isn't too far from Chicago. They're kind yeah. of twin. They're like sister cities or whatever people call that. Midwest, you know why? Why wouldn't you come and, and represent? You know, talk to the fans. I don't think he even once uh, talked to the fans. And the one time he did was staged. Yeah, it was some kind of weird thing. He did this, you know. Oh, you know, make us nervous about how he's going to give up his sobriety by drinking a big bottle of vodka, which, which was actually water. In a, in a vodka bottle and he had a jacket on and he started to drink the water and he you know before he was doing that he's like do you guys think I should do this or no and people were like cheering and you know it was like a really awkward moment and he started to drink and then you know like a cartoon character that drinks water and then is like shot through with bullets he started to spew the the water, water started out. to shoot and spouts out of his jacket which is... It's just very disappointing. It was corny. Overall. It was pretty bad. And I was like, that's it? That's Eminem? That's what he has to give to us? And kind of uh, kind of disappointed, you know, with uh, with that. But um, that that pretty much, you know... But, but, but thank God for the mud people, you know, for the rain at Lollapalooza. They're celebrating 20 years of, uh, of the festival. And... Who knows what the next twenty, you know, twenty years, uh, you know, will bring? You know, will the gate crashers come back next year? What will the evolution of the gate crashers look like? I mean, that's, you know, and how will they get in next year? What will, you know, what Perry Farrell is going to do to, to get more? You know, will there be a, a three hundred bands play next year? Will it expand to Michigan Avenue? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, but. As, as always, Lollapalooza, for us, for me in particular, was defined by the fans. 
You know, seeing the mud people, the gate crashers. We talked to a lot of fans while we were, we uh, took the blue line. That's the train that goes back and forth uh, from Chicago to the suburbs. And we um, talked to a lot of fans on the train. A lot of fans have been there for the first time. And I just have to say, you know, thank you to those fans uh, for sharing your stories with me. Uh, uh, La is so big, you don't get to see everything. But I got to hear a lot about the fans. So if you guys were out there this year, La Palooza, uh, we'd love to hear what your stories were like, um, and uh, stay tuned. You know, on the blog at uh, livefixblog.com, we're going to be posting some pictures and more videos, some links. You know, some some links. You know, we we're talking about the trauma and Sugarland and all that kind of stuff. Stay tuned. Again, thanks for listening, and you guys, uh, be sure to tell us. Uh, you know what what you know what uh, how live music is changing your life, right? Right, Kyle. Yeah, how has live music changed your life this summer? Yeah. We'd love to hear. Yeah, awesome. So thanks, Lynn, for listening. Uh, if you've got a comment, you're listening to this in iTunes, go ahead and drop a comment, rate us. We'd love to get your feedback. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.